Good vach. We are now doing Sunday's portion of Parshas Lech Lecha. So now we are going to Avraham, starting with Lech Lecha, as the Alter Rebbe says, it's a very joyous Parsha because we get to live all week with Avraham. Of course, Avraham we first saw at the end of Parshas Noyach, but now we have an entire series of Parshas that are all about Avraham. So the verse opens up, and God said to Avraham, Abram, at this point, go for yourself from your land, from your birthplace, from the house of your father, to the land that I will show you. The first, according to some, of Abraham's first ten tests. Others, of course, say he had many preceding this. He already threw himself into the fires of Nimrod, alluded to in the end of last portion. So the verse says, Lech Lecha. Go is Lech. What's lech lecha? Go for yourself. So Rashi gives three answers. Either you're going for your pleasure and your benefit, because there, in the land of Israel, I'll make you a great nation. Also, outside of the land of Israel, you didn't measure to have children. In the land of Israel, you will merit to have children. And also, the benefit will be that your name will be known in the world as you travel you will impact more and more people. Abraham was always trying to bring others to God. That was his mission. So the more you travel, the more your name can be made known, the more the whole world at that time could be impacted by you. Next verse, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. So Rashi explains that travel causes three negative things to happen to the traveler. It diminishes having children, it diminishes your money, and it diminishes your reputation. You go to a new place, you have to start building up your name again. So that's why Abraham, Abraham needed these three blessings, which God blessed him. That he's going to have children, that he's going to have money, and that he'll have his reputation. Um, when it says, and I will make your name great, Rashi says here, in some versions of Rashi, I'm going to add a letter to your name. Until now, he was Avram, like the father of Aram. Now you're going to be Avraham, which implies the father of all the nations. Also, Avraham, by adding that, hey, we now have the numerical value of your name to be 248, which corresponds to the number of parts of a man's body. So in other words, before you had this extra hay, it says if your body was missing five parts, which connects to the idea of you not having children. Now, at this time, God did not change his name. This is, this is only in some versions of Rashi. It's one explanation. What does it mean? I'll make your name great, that I'm going to add this hay and move you from Avram to Avraham. I'm going to move you from, as I'm saying, spiritually, the father of Aram, to the father of many nations. But this does not happen here. This changing of the name happens in the storyline with the bris. When Avram had his circumcision, of course, many years later, and, and a parsha. Right? So we're talking here at the beginning of Parsha Slachlacha and the actual change of name and change of his Mazel, and therefore his ability to father a Jewish child, Yitzchak, happens at the end of this parsha.
So going back to this verse, and I will bless you with money. Again, we're saying three things are going to happen here. He's blessing him with children, with money, and with his name. So literally, that I will bless you. I'll make you a great nation. Obviously, that's the children. That I will bless you. I'll bless you with money. I'll make your name great. Is You'll have your great name. So those are the three blessings. And then the verse adds, after saying these three points, again, the verse says, I'll make you a great nation. You're going to have kids. I'll bless you. You'll have money. I'll make your name great. Even though you're going to new places, your reputation will not be diminished. And then the verse adds, and you'll be a blessing. So the question is, well, what's this saying? We, we just got all three points here. What's this? So here, Rashi says, an additional thing. Beyond all those three blessings, there's something else. I'm putting blessings in your hand. Until now, blessings were in God's hands. God blessed Adam. He blessed Noah. He blessed Abraham. But now you will be able to bless whoever you wish to bless. Then another way of looking at this verse, a different interpretation of how we see all these, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you. I'll make you a great nation is when we say in Shimon Esri, God of Abraham. I will bless you is what we say, God of Yitzhak, of Isaac. I will make your name great, is when we say the God of Yaakov, of Jacob. But then we end with this extra word in the verse, you'll be a blessing, because in the end, we don't conclude by saying, blessed are you, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We just say, blessed are you, God of Abraham. So you will be the blessing. Now, if we're looking back here, Rashi now goes back to the first verse where Abraham is being told here to go out from his land, from his birth land, from his father's land. So Rashi says, why are we saying this to him? He already left his birth land. At the end of Parshas Nayach, Abraham had to leave his birth land after he was thrown to the fire and orcast him and miraculously survived. He left. He and his father and their families were left and went to Haran. So they already left their birth land. So God is saying to him, yeah, you left your birth land, but you're still by the house of your father. Because Terah, who had repented, went with Abraham, and he was with his father. So now you have to leave the house of your father. And then he says to him, again in that first verse, and go to the land that I will show you. That's a very ambiguous way of describing go to the land of Israel. Why didn't he say exactly where he's going? So there's many reasons. One, Rashi says, to make it more precious in his eyes. In other words, it's so sweet to keep them in suspense because they really want to do God's will, but they don't know what it is. So it's like as if they're longing to hear every detail. So every statement is just evoking more and more of their love of God. And that's why God is divulging the details just one by one. So he's not telling him where it is to make it more precious in his eyes and to give him more reward. Why is this giving more reward? Because every statement, they have more love of God, more longing to do his will, which is therefore they're deserving of more reward. And Rashi gives us a few examples where we see this is how God behaves with the righteous, um, holding them in suspense, so to speak, hold them into suspense, who, you know, later we see by the offering of Yitzhak of Isaac, until God told him it was Isaac, until God told him exactly where the land is supposed to be of the offering, 
with Yonah, with Jonah. He didn't inform him directly. The content of the prophecy he had to deliver to Ninveh. This is what God does with the righteous to make it more precious in their eyes and to increase their reward. Next verse, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So what does it mean that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you? So Rashi says there are many Agadic explanations on this. It's interesting. I noticed this very strongly in Parshish Bracious, that all the time that Rashi was saying, like, there's some, you know, the Midrash answers this, but we can't give over that because Rashi is a Pashtun. Rashi is coming to explain the simple meaning of the text. But what he's doing here is sort of telling you, I know what your question is, and it's a great question. And there's great answers in the Midrash, but I can't give them to you because that's not, that's not in my job description. But if you looked up at the Midrash, you'd find the answers you're looking for. So I'm just going to give you here the literal meaning of the text. What does it mean in the family of the earth will be blessed through you? That a person will say to his child, you should be like Abraham. That's how the families of the earth will be blessed through you. But better answers to the question, look at the Midrash. Verse 4. So Abraham went as God had spoken to him, and Lot, Lot is his nephew, his deceased brother's son, and Lot went with. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Next verse. Abraham took his wife, Sarai, who later becomes called Sarah, but at this point is still Sarai, like he's really Abraham. Avram, not Avraham, and Lot, his brother's sons, and all the possessions they had amassed, and the souls they made in Haran, and they left to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to the land of Canaan. Now, what does it mean the souls they made in Haran? How do you make souls? So there's two explanations here. One is all the people that they brought close to God. So Abraham would bring the men close, Sarai would bring the women close, so all of these people went with them as if they made them. And the simple meaning is the slaves they had acquired, they made in Haran. The next verse, Avram passed into the land as far as the site of Shechem until the plain of Moira, and the Canaani was then in the land. So passed into the land, Rashi explains, means he's entered into it. As far as Shechem, why did he go to Shechem? He went to Shechem, everything he did was very deliberate. It all had very echoing ramifications in the future generations. So he knew that the sons of Jacob would have this tremendous war in Shechem, which they did after what happened with Dina, and he prayed there for their success until the plain of Myra. So the way it's written, as far as the site of Shechem, until the plain of Myra, implies that Shechem and the plain of Myra are the same thing. So Rashi says, yes, that is the same thing. This is Shechem. And there, God showed Abraham two mountains, Mount Grizim and Mount Abel. If you remember, a number of parshiyos ago, we learned this, that there is where the Jewish people took the oath of Tyre. And the Canaanite were then in the land. What does this mean, they were then in the land? It, it would maybe, if, if, if at that point the Canaanites were in the land, but later, like when the Jews got the Torah, they weren't, we can understand that God's saying, oh, then the Canaanites were in the land. But that's not so, because when the Jews entered Israel, the Canaanites were still there. So what does it mean they were then in the land? So what it means is they were then in the process of conquering the land, meaning, okay, after the flood, what we learned last week, there's Nayach, and he has three sons, Shem, Chum, and Yafes. 
And he divided the world between those three sons. And the land of Israel he gave to the descendants of shame, as obviously makes sense because the Jewish people descend from shame, Semites. But at this point of time, when Abraham was coming into Israel, that was when the Canaanim, who are descendants of Ham, the Canaanim, which actually were cursed by Nayach, as we learned last week, the Canaanim were in the process of conquering the land of Israel from the descendants of Shem. Which is why God is saying here, I'm going to give this land, Abraham, to your offsprings. Because you're a descendant of shame. Originally this land was given to the descendants of shame. Noah gave it to the descendants of shame. This is the land of Israel. The Canaanim are taking it from them temporarily. I'm going to give it back to you. Next verse, God appeared to Abraham, to Abram, and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to God who appeared to him. So Rashi says, why is he building the altar? For two amazing pieces of news he was just given. God said he's going to have children. He said, to your children I will give this land. So hey, that's great news. It means he's going to have children. And his children will get this land. They're going to get the land of Israel. Next verse. From there he relocated to the mountain east of Beth El, and he pitched his tent with Beth El on the west and I on the east. And he built there an altar to God and invoked God by name. So from there, he relocated, Rashi explains, his tent he moved to east of this place. So obviously we can think of it in the map. Abraham's tent is between these two cities with Bethel on the west and I on the east. Now, it's written... Ahalah, her tent. Which implies that first he pitched his wife's tent, and then he pitched his own tent. And he built there an altar. Now why did he build an altar there? Everywhere he's building an altar, it's for a reason. It wasn't just like a random thing he did, or a thing he did very often. So each altar has tremendous significance. So Rashi says the altar here is because he knew the troubles the Jewish people would have in I. I when the Jews entered Israel and they conquered Jericho, Jericho, they were told they couldn't take anything from the spoils. It was a godly conquest and they weren't allowed to touch anything of the spoils. It was all supposed to be burnt up. And a Jew, Achan, took from the spoils and because of that, all of the Jewish people, when they went on to conquer, I suffered a great defeat. So Abraham prophetically knew of this. So he built this altar praying to God to help his descendants there. Next verse. Then Avram journeyed on, going and traveling toward the south. Sirach so explained he would dwell a month one place, and he would travel and go a month another place, and all of his journeys were toward the south to the direction of Jerusalem. Next verse. There was a famine in the land, and Avram descended to Egypt, sojourned there, so the famine was severe in the land. So it says there was a famine in the land. I mean, not that there was a famine, but specifically in the land. So Rashi explains, yes, because only in that land, only in the land of Israel was a famine. And why would God make a famine only in the land of Israel? This was a test. Abraham had ten tests. This was one of them. God tells him to go to Israel, and then he makes a famine just in the land of Israel. Is he going to question the word of God? But he did not. So, so he has to now leave 
Israel, because there's this famine, and go temporarily to Egypt, where there was not a famine. And it occurred as he was about to come to Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, Behold, now I know that you are a woman of beautiful appearance. So what does it mean now I know? They've been married for quite some time. What does it mean now I know? So Raja gives three explanations on now I know. One is because they were both so modest, he didn't recognize her beauty, but as they were coming to Egypt and they went by the Nile, Abraham saw Sarai's reflection in the rivers, waters of the Nile, and that was like, wow, you're so beautiful, we're, we're going to have a problem here. Another explanation is that what Abraham was saying was, normally when you travel, traveling is very draining and a person loses their beauty. But Sarai, Sarah, stayed beautiful despite all the traveling. So that's what Abraham means now. Now, at some point in this journey, you've maintained your beauty. That's what I now understand. Or the most simple explanation is now, meaning now it's an issue. Until now, your beauty was just your beauty wasn't an issue, but now it's a it's an issue because now we're coming to a place of very ugly, swarthy people. And they're not used to such a beautiful woman. So now we have to deal with this. Going back to the verse, and it shall occur when the Egyptians will see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live because they're going to want to take you. So please say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me for your sake, and that I may live on account of you. So what does it mean that it will go well for me? Go well for me can't mean that I'll survive. That doesn't mean well. That just means you were rescued from something negative. So go well, Rashi says, means they'll give me gifts. But that seems a little bizarre. Why in the world would Abraham want gifts, especially when we know that later when people, various points people offered him gifts, he wouldn't take them. He said, God's going to enrich me. So now he's saying, oh, I want these gifts. So an interesting explanation is, that Abraham knew, obviously, what's going to happen, that his children are going to be in Egypt. He knew prophetically the hap- what was going to happen. And he knew that what happens to him, as we say, that what happens to the fathers is a sign for the children. So he knew if he received gifts when he left Egypt, this would cause his descendants, when they receive Egypt, to receive all the spoils of Egypt with them. So that was the spiritual significance and why it was important for Abraham to receive the gifts of Egypt. And that is the portion of Sunday of Lech Lecha.